Welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and the producer of this podcast, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with my guest, Josh Long, the developer advocate at Spring. We talked about his background and how he started with Spring and uh, about the Spring community. We also talked about the uh, Spring Axon auto configuration that he wrote with Allart Bowser, as well as the uh, development of uh, CQRS and DDD amongst uh, the various communities and how that has been in the past decade or so. Josh will be our keynote speaker this year at our conference on September 28th. I do hope you can all join us. Now let's have a listen. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know you, but for those who may not know you, could you please introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about your background? Sure. Hi, my name is Josh Long. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, what what else? I, I work on the Spring team as a Spring developer advocate, and I have since 2010. Awesome. Um, so uh, can you take me a little bit before 2010 and tell me a little bit about uh, what you were up to before your spring days or maybe there was no before spring day um yeah i mean i was i've been working since 2002 uh as an engineer and uh i worked at a lot of startups and these startups were you know you don't get to be a specialist at a lot of startups you you really have to just sort of you know if the light goes out you fix the light right like it's simple if somebody somebody phones in guess who gets to answer their phone you know um and so I worked a lot of, I worked at a number of different startups and, uh, um, I even started one of my own. It didn't go well, but it did humble me and it taught me a lot of, a lot of lessons about software. Yeah. Uh, school of hard knocks, as they say. And, um, it, uh, it, it was just kind of interesting. I, at the time I was trying to build software to do a number of different things and, uh, the process by which, um, you know, people were accustomed to building software at the time was around something, uh, at least in the JVM, there was around something called J2EE, which was um, uh, untenable, right? It just, it was not actually a viable approach, and it, it, particularly EJB, right? Uh, at the time, this is, again, 20 odd years ago. Uh, now, things are a far sight more, uh, more useful, more productive there, but, but certainly uh, 20 years ago, 20, 22 years ago almost, uh, 21 years ago, um, it was painful. And it was so painful, in fact, that and I can't, I don't know of any other place where this is true, but there were at least three different books whose whole raison d'etre was to decry the terrible state of J2E at the time. So imagine, like, you know how hard it is to get the inspiration to write the great American novel or whatever, like, can you imagine having us having that spark lit sheerly by your distaste for a technology that had so ruined your time uh, and, and uh, prospects and ambitions that that you thought it be, it best to uh, put pen to paper just to speak ill of it? Write a book about it. If you've written a book, you know, that's not something you do in a weekend unless you're Dr. Subramaniam, right? Dr. Venkat Subramaniam. That's like a year of your right. life and weekends and saying no to friends and all that can you imagine having to muster that much energy just to just to remind people not to do this you know 
wow, yep. golly, yep. it was a bad, bad state. And I don't know Amazing. that we've ever had anything like that. Like, so, so I, that was the state of things. And I just, I didn't understand it. I couldn't make it work. Uh, EJB in particular, I couldn't make it work at the time. And I just felt like I'm, I'm not smart enough. You know, maybe this is just not meant for me. Maybe I'll go off uh, and just become a, uh, a successful .NET developer, you know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it just seemed like such a, such an easy thing to do. And um, so, was it? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Was it around that area where you kind of came across Spring? Yeah, Spring was um, Spring was a uh, technology that had just come out. Actually, we're 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 fast approaching. We've we've already approached by some reckoning its twentieth anniversary. Right. Um, so yeah, wow. it depends on how you think about it. If you look at like the very first lines of code that would become Spring, those were written in 2001. In, uh, in mm, Okay, so we're past 20 years. Yeah, yeah, already. yeah. In some cases, yeah, very far oh. from the past, right? And so, and then if you look at like the oh. first GA, no, sorry, the first uh, uh, release candidate um, that was public and that looked like Spring, that we called Spring and that had the same yep. package structure and all that, that was uh, sometime 20 years ago this year, right? Um, and if you look at like the first GA 1.0 release, that was 2004, right? So that one hasn't yet approached. That will, that'll be next yeah. year. But either way, 20 years of this technology being hard around. to believe. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. And so uh, we, you know, I, I was starting to use it, right? It was uh, um, the person who wrote Spring wrote it in in uh, in illustrating a better way forward. He was one of those people that wrote a book all about the terrible state of j2ee and uh and, mm-hmm. and unlike the other books which were which were just uh uh you know interesting reads but they were they were they didn't have a better way forward they just knew that this was not something you should be doing um yeah rod uh came came up with this technology some sketch code that illustrated perhaps a better way forward to uh, address a lot of the problems that people were going to experience and that sample code published in that book would then become spring oh wow um so we wrote the documentation first and the code second, right? Right, right. Uh, which is not how most people do it. And that code was out there on the internet. I had bought the book. I was in, uh, like I was a, I hate to use this word, but I was an adherent to the ideas espoused in the book. And uh, uh, I love the code. And then, of course, other people did as well. And um, that code would then get massaged into what we know of as spring, right? So that was, right. the book came out, what, 2001, 2002, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, maybe 2002. And then the code looked like spring like about a year later. Right. Um, and so I was already starting to use it really early access, you know, really early wow. days, but it was already a far sight more useful than what we had. Uh, by the time 1.0 rolled around, you know, there was just so much utility in it. Even if yeah. I couldn't use the whole thing, if I couldn't cut over wholesale to it. Um, so I just found myself a big fan. That's 2000s, early 2000s. Fast forward, you know, another five, six, seven, eight, nine years. Uh, I've gone through a string of startups, uh, some uh, more fun than others. And remember, this is in the wake of the dot-com bust. Yeah, exactly. In 2001. Right. Uh, and so, so very interesting. I mean, I to start working times. then, I didn't appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. To start to start my career then, I didn't appreciate it at the time. But yeah. it was very... Now you can kind of look back and put some puzzle pieces together. Like, ah, oh, okay, this is actually, they all happened together. So then you... I mean, yeah. Yeah. So you you found this uh, a, a better tool, basically, a better way of doing things, mm-hmm. and then you started contributing to it uh, because it was open source and you could contribute to it. Is that how you started with Spring? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
with or with open source, but but I'll mind, I I I would I would say there was a huge gap mm-hmm. between when I found Spring and when I first started contributing. Yeah, and okay. I often think about that. What if I had started contributing much earlier, right? Uh, and uh, and maybe I would have been you know part of the the earlier wave of uh, waves of employees, or whatever. I was a huge fan, and and being honest, it was such a there was already so much there for me to like take in and yeah. learn and appreciate and introduce into my organizations mm-hmm. that it was like, I, I, you know, they could do no wrong. There was no bugs that I needed yeah. to fix. There was no issues I had outstanding. I was just trying to get a chance to use what they were already offering. Is that why the gap uh, was between the time that you started using it until the time that you started contributing because you were busy with other projects and startups and so on. And you were kind of grasping this code that was coming at you and then, Right. Had a chance to yeah. see see the bugs finally once you once the oh went away and you're like oh there are some bugs here and I can contribute is that is that what happened or sort of I mean I again it's um, spring integration was the reason I got uh-huh. into yes. because that was a brand new project mm-hmm. about which I had some familiarity you know the it was the ecosystem of which I had some familiarity when spring first came out this is the other thing is uh, is as you know uh, so much of introducing a, a technology is education, not just around the technology, but around the motivations for that technology. Yep. And so when Spring first came out, they had a team of engineers, but these aren't just, you know, sitting in the basement banging out code uh, uh, engineers. These are get dressed up and go to a conference and stand in front of an audience of, of a thousand people and try to win the war of, of ideas, right? You have to, you can't just say this is the best code in isolation and then just mm be malcontent when people aren't uh, flocking to you. You have to uh, educate people as to why this works and what the uh, underpinnings of it are. So uh, they were very good about that. The spring team were 60% engineers, say, and 40% advocates. They were willing to engage in the, in the conversation. You can't win if you don't play, right? And so they were always in the conversation. Win, lose, or draw, at least they went went out and tried, you know, yeah, to, yeah. to help people find uh common ground with their ideas and mm-hmm. um so I, I was learning the 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 ideas they were espousing a lot of that stuff that was in spring the reason they had to do education was because a lot of that stuff was drawn from academia right they had taken things that we didn't have from and drawn it from academia and said look these ideas could actually make make it a lot easier for us to build enterprise applications today certainly in a far side easier compared to whatever the distinguished competition was proposing. Right. Right. And um, so there was a lot of like, Hey, like this is a new thing. It's a new idea. It's a new pattern. Here's how we do it with our technology. But even if you learn nothing else, we're all better for you having learned the pattern. Yeah. Right. Even if you don't use our technology to implement it. Um, And uh, so, yeah. So by the time integration, spring integration came around, I was like, okay, I don't need, I'm not learning the patterns here. I already get them. Mm -hmm. I'm learning Mm -hmm. this particular technology. Right. But I was already on the level playing field. I understood the patterns already from my background there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had the ability to contribute. Whereas with Spring Framework itself, we were there were so many new patterns. I was just learning the patterns first. I didn't understand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. To, so you have to go through the learning curve and then and then be able to then have a say about it or contribute to it. But right. yeah, I wasn't very an good. expert enough to yeah. authority on the domain. And then once you started contributing, um, how did that path go for you after that? <laughs> great for me terrible for the spring team 
Like, because uh, they got I, annoyed by all of your contribution. <laughs> oh, just my terrible, terrible code. Yeah, like they were great. I, I, uh, truly, the greatest group of people. Um, I just, I love the spring team. I love them so much because they, they're all. I mean, first of all, some inside baseball here. Uh, very few people leave the spring team. I mean, it's like one every five years or something like that. It's oh. just it never happens, right? Mm-hmm. People do not leave the spring team. We love each other. We love the team. We love the work we're doing we love the mission we love all of that it's i don't know what the official numbers are for people leaving but it's just exceedingly rare Mm -hmm. um uh and so as a result and also you know the spring team was built on we just want the best people yeah it it was never like oh we've got an office in dubuque we need to get engineers local to it it was just never that yeah it was hey if you're working if you can solve a problem in the open source and you're out there we'll find a reason we'll find a way to hire you you know, mm-hmm. it didn't mm-hmm. matter where you were. So we have, we are the most geographically distributed team mm-hmm. uh, as well. There is yeah. no like single place where you can go to meet the plurality or majority mm-hmm. of the spring team. No single office you can check into. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, and then also because we're so, uh, so, so rarely, uh, we, we so rarely leave. I mean, in fact, if anything, people retire before they leave. Yeah. Um, because we so rarely leave, what you have is a, a group of people, most of whom are super senior. We're very mm-hmm. top heavy. We have a lot of senior people yep. because of course they are. We've, like, we've mentored them. We've grown them yeah, uh, into top tier people. So, uh, And I'm one of the younger members of the team. Yeah. Uh, and I've been here for tw- uh, 12, 12 years now, mm-hmm. you know, tw- mm-hmm. 13 years almost. 13 years, wow. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still one of the, and there's people that were there for five, six, eight years before me, you know, mm-hmm. they're still there. Um, so that, that team, I, like I, that's a, an amazing dynamic, you know, in Silicon Valley, if you tell somebody you work for the same company for 13 years, they think you're that's a, unheard of. A phantom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Most don't companies just, don't last that long. <laughs> right? No, exactly. I mean, how many software companies have come and gone in that time or been acquired or whatever. Right. Uh, and, but, uh, we, the spring team is something else. It's a different quantity. So I knew and by the way, there's also people on the spring team that are, um, like, like I don't know if people appreciate this, but a lot of these people don't need to be here, you know. Yeah. Like months early, they're already mm-hmm. fine. They can mm-hmm. go do whatever they wanted, and they're just they've been here for decades, you know. They don't. But they want to be there, they, which is nice. They want to be there exactly. Like yeah. they, I just love this team. There's like these are all people that could get better pay anywhere else. I guarantee you, uh, and yet they they. We just sort of stick together. So I, I was just, I wanted to work with the illustrious spring team because I wanted to work on the work with the people that were building this thing that I'd come to appreciate that had saved my bacon time mm-hmm. and time again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I didn't really understand until I got into it that like, this is the best group of people. That's awesome. Ever. I mean, just ever. I've never been so more grateful to have a, this team and even, you know, management wise and all that. Uh, you just have this, like, again, you, it's very hard to manage. It's very sort of people when, when you got people that are all that high and senior mm-hmm. and that are all like kind of self-starters and working at open source. Anyway, you know, you're not, it's not like you're not like you're micromanaging. It's not like you're yeah. checking. It's not your typical whatever. kind of management. Yeah, absolutely. Not even. Yeah. So, so for me, that process was amazing, you know, uh, but because it's such a, a good environment uh, I've just stuck around, and I'm sure some of the people on the team are like ruining the day that Fisher uh, extended me that that offer, you know. But then you, yeah, go ahead. You were gonna say? Oh, I was gonna say Fisher. 
Mark Fisher, he uh, is a, he hired me. He offered me the job, right? Mm-hmm. He said, hey, we've got this new thing called developer advocacy. That was my uh, next question, then, how, you, how, how you got yeah. into the advocacy part. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he said, we've got this new thing, a new job for something called a developer advocate. You, mm-hmm. Would you be interested in that? You'd be our first spring developer advocate. And I'm like, like, and I, I didn't know what that was. And I was like, wait, is that What's like that? James Ward? <laughs> right. Right. Do you know James Ward? James Ward is like, uh, oh. uh, just, I don't know. He's one of the all-time double dutch best, most, you know, intelligent and, and ama- amazing uh, uh, advocates out there. And mm-hmm. at the time he was working at Adobe. He since has gone oh, on yes. to work at Heroku. Heroku, Salesforce, Google. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I don't know if I could do what he's doing. Yeah. Make it part. I don't know if I could do what he's doing. And that's not me. I had seen him on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's fine. So I actually politely said, nah, thanks, but no thanks, you know? Yeah. And I walked away. Got five Got five minutes away, you know, walked away from my desk uh, at the office, and I was going to the canteen to get some coffee. And I thought, what did I just do? What am I saying? Of course I'll take it. What? Uh, that's the spring team. I'll figure it out. Just say yes. I'll take whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. I, I came back and said, I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take it. What am I saying? You know? Oh, stupidest five minutes of my life. I have no <laughs> idea. I was going to get coffee. I was clearly in my before coffee mode, right? I, I needed that coffee. Uh, <laughs> Didn't you have saying, a sign on your desk that said, don't talk, me, don't talk to me before my morning coffee? <laughs> Something like that. Because I'm clearly inept, you know? Um, yeah, it was, it was, oh man. And, and the worst part is I had just joined a company, mm-hmm. uh, which was an amazing company in of itself. Had it been any other company that asked me, I would have told them to go pound sand. Like I, yeah. I'm fine. I was mm-hmm. happy at that company. That company was called Shopzilla in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. truly one of the best environments I'd ever been in. Uh, but up until that point, in fact, even, even now I would say that the perks at Shopzilla were better than the perks <laughs> at my current job, right? Just, you know, I just love the spring team, though, and I love the people, and I yeah. love, uh, obviously, my, you know, I get paid. That's okay. You know, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it's all I'm trying to say is, uh, but for spring, I would have still been at ShopZilla, probably. I was mm-hmm. very happy mm-hmm. there. You know? no, that makes I guess sense. I'm riding a camel there. And I think, and I think you, <laughs> I would say you've done a really amazing thing for for spring. I think uh, the the amount of education that you do for people on a daily basis, it's, it's enormous. And you and I were just talking about traveling. I, I can't even imagine and picture the amount of traveling that you do to talk to other people and go to conferences and, uh, and, you know, just teach your uh, technology to everybody else. And which is amazing. Actually, this is how you and I got to know each other, um, right. which, which was interesting because it was several years ago when I was learning about uh, spring boot and I posted a question. It was just out open to public on Twitter. I said, hey, I have this question about, I, I can't even remember what it was, um, Spring Boot related. <laughs> and then um, you messaged me with an answer. And then you said, hey, if you have any other questions, you know, don't, don't hesitate to reach out to me. And I remember it was like, the, I, I didn't know who you were at the time. Um, and I, I think it was at the end of that day, or <laughs> I still don't know who you are. But at some point I, I was talking I to my husband. <laughs> That's more philosophical. We should go back to that another time. Right. But we're all learning. I, I told my husband, I said, Yeah, this is a very nice person on Twitter answered my question. His name is Josh. He goes, Josh, who? I said, Josh Lyke. He goes, What? 
<laughs> spring developer advocate is great. That's awesome. And then we continue the conversation. And so it's, I think the way that um, you handle all of these conversations and these questions, I, I don't even know how you handle it because there's so many, I'm assuming that come your way and you take the time to personally respond and not just respond, but also to get to know people, which, which is amazing. So um, really thank you for that. That was great. I mean, of late, my inbox has been flooded with blue sky requests. So for those of you wondering, I don't have any. I don't have any invitations. Just geez. let me get back to my spring questions, please. Stop flooding my inbox. <laughs> well, to to I, I, I don't know about other people, but I've never had a question not answered by you, probably within the first 20 uh, to 48 hours, which is great. So, yeah, really great uh, some, for that. Sometimes it can be bad. I, I, I might, you might have got me when I was... Uh, going through my like when you were at an airport or something (laughs) yeah yeah i'm usually pretty unreliably terrible at uh at answering questions but uh but sometimes i'll go through and just like okay i I think i've I've had good luck which is great yeah which is great so now coming to uh, a bit more recent ish years i guess not so recent because i want to take you back to um 2010 i guess you so at that point you i think um was shortly before the time you joined spring you were in InfoQ and you had a conversation um with Allart, our cto about yeah. um cqrs um and uh, axon framework so your relationship with axon kind of started um at axon's very early days um as well yeah i was curious how did you well i guess several questions on that but one at a time. How did you come to find out about CQRS and what it was and why did you think it was useful in the first place? Um, I knew about CQR, what, which, what's the pattern that preceded? I knew about domain-driven design. Yeah. Uh, Eric, Eric Evans, he wrote that mm-hmm. book uh, in 2000 and, I don't know, two. Three, four, I think it was, like yeah. Long time. Sure, yeah, that one. Uh, and so I knew about the pattern, I knew basically the approach and I just hadn't really seen it um, expanded to its logical yeah. conclusion. Uh, and then I, I had read some of uh, Greg Young's uh, about some of Greg Young's work mm-hmm. on the some stock exchange. Was it the Canadian one? I think. Yep. Uh, uh, with this pattern called CQRS, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it had become part of the zeitgeist then. Um. And I, I was also starting uh, that company, that company I just mentioned, they were doing, um, that, that was the first place I'd ever seen anybody do microservices. Okay. Truly do mm-hmm. microservices, right? Not just SOA, not just, you know, everything is redundant. No, it was, just, it was truly a microservice architecture. And this is 2009, right? So mm-hmm. really phenomenal uh, uh, engineering group. And it becomes sort of, you start to ask questions around, okay, well, if I've got 10 different microservices, each of which controls a part of the, the, the graph of data, then um, first of all, how do I get a view of the data that shows the whole picture for a client? Um, and then second of all, uh, how do I make sure that everybody's in sync without actually resorting to something like distributed transactions, right? And mm-hmm. uh, 
the, the sea caress was the only pattern I saw that. And then I would learn about saga pattern, right? The saga pattern around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, those were the only two patterns I saw that even began to speak to that. that and saga pattern and, um, in terms of not the, 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 the processing pattern specifically, or you mean the orchestration uh, part of it? Orchestration. So, yeah. yeah the, gotcha. Mm-hmm. The, this, I mean, the protocol implied by the saga pattern mm-hmm. uh, is useful, uh, but but more just because you can implement the protocol pretty easily yourself, right? right. It, it's 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 fairly straightforward, I guess. But mm-hmm. but just the idea of this patterning existing and being known to work okay for this particular use case was exciting for me because I didn't mm-hmm. know I would solve it otherwise. Right. It was just nice to have something. So. Yeah. CQRS gave me a way to think about moving data across different uh, boundaries, uh, you know, and uh, and still having a efficient representation of the data for the client, a mm-hmm. uh, view of the data, and then um, I guess you'd call it query in CQRS, yeah. right? Uh, and then the Saga pattern gave me a way to think about long-lived multi-step sort of state, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And at the time, I was also working in workflow which is another, and I was working in messaging, right? I, I love right. all this to do with messaging and event-driven architectures, all that stuff. I was very, I'm very much into and that's where, that's my background, right? So, yeah. um, and c just sort of fit there. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, it, it, was that then through your um, research that you found about um, Axon and Axon Framework at that point? Or did you start basically writing your own, uh, I guess, configuration or framework, if you would, or did you just use Axon Framework right off the bat? Um, I don't, I've never written my own CQRS framework. Okay. Uh, I, I suppose I have accidentally written my own Saga. It was, I didn't know it at the time. I was working with Workflow mm-hmm. uh, and Workflow systems give you basically a Saga. They, they give you a state machine that if you line things up in, in the right way, give you the Saga pattern. But um, I had written, I had written my own Workflow engine you know, a couple of them. Yeah. Um, and so, but so for CQRS, I, I, how did I hear about Axon? I don't even know. I, I suppose it must've been someone in the spring team. Cause he's, Allard was a, you know, there's a community of spring folks. There was, a, there was, and still is a strong mm-hmm. community, but, but in particular in the early days, there's a strong community of folks from uh, Dutch spring. Yep. Spring uh, community. You know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Community. Yeah. So he might've come from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that group. I don't, don't know how I first learned of him. Yeah, very good. And and I, I think you um, had a conversation with him um, early on uh, through InfoQ about what the framework is and what it did and what it was good for and, and, and things like that. And I think that was probably, if not the first time that you and him had a conversation about, about Axon. But then... I think it was because there was spring integration in the original code or support for it or something. Maybe I think that's what it was. so. I think so. I think that, that might have been, been the reason. The, the, yeah. Yeah. Crossing of the streams there. Yeah. Okay. So then what, so uh, since then you obviously have kept a relationship with, with, uh, Axon framework and, uh, you, uh, you have done some things, uh, with, with all art, which, which I'll get to, um, another one that's coming up, which we'll probably talk in, uh, another episode about that. But 
can we focus just a few minutes or maybe more if you want about the uh, Axon Spring Auto Configuration? Because you wrote that with Allart. And can you <laughs> tell me about what it is, first of all, and why did you guys decide to implement this into the framework? Um, I know they're obvious oh. answers, but yeah, tell me. Yeah, about. I mean, so Axon, okay, so for people who are uh, listening, uh, Axon is delivered as a framework. There's several components. There's a server, which is separate from this discussion. But yes. all this time when we've been talking about Accent, we've been talking about a framework that, that you can use to write code. And it's a, it's a component model uh, that you can use to write code. Um, and that's always been true. And that component model for Spring was always surfaced in, you know, I suppose there was a, I don't remember, but I suppose uh, 12 years ago, there was, it would have been XML and, uh, and uh, you know, some Spring Innovation adapters and this kind of stuff, right? And uh, and eventually, you know, and the way the way this works is that the Axon framework has always been written at its core to be sort of agnostic of any one particular thing. Now, yep. practically speaking, uh, you you don't have to tell me one way or another, but I'm willing to bet eighty percent of that community is still using Axon in terms of Spring. Um, and so, so uh, so Axon's always been written in terms of this like generic core. And uh, it had the, 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 the ingredients to, to build a component model with Spring were there. Yep. Um, and then we released Spring Boot. Uh, the first, you know, not GA versions were in 2013. So that's another 10-year anniversary right there. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, we released it then. And uh, we have this thing called auto configuration. So basically, you can have a jar in the class path have a library in the class path. And just by having it there in the Spring application, uh, in the Spring Boot application, everything in that jar that will get involved, it'll get invoked and you'll be given a chance to contribute to the uh, sort of running congealed application. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and th this is natural because it means that all that boilerplate like gluing of components, of ingredients mm -hmm. gets done for you. And so Axon had a fair bit of a, there's a recipe there's a number of steps and it's not because of, of accent per se it's just because of there's no better way you, you all he could do is provide the ingredients with accent and say here use spring to put them together in the shape of a of a cake yeah. you know that you want right um and uh so with with spring boot we had this new mechanism where we could just give you the cake instead mm -hmm. directly uh without compromising on flexibility for the developer and uh so <clears throat> part of my you know part of the one of the things I do all the time is I try my level-headed best to help ecosystem uh, partners and community members and all that just take advantage of some of these amazing uh, yeah. force multipliers, right? And so we call them automagics. Yeah, because <laughs> it's, it, you know, Spring is a framework for building frameworks at yeah. some point, you know, at some level. Uh, and it's really good at that. And so if you want to, like, find classes and provide annotations that get detected and uh, you know, control the life cycle of objects or the mm -hmm. quantity of those objects. This is all stuff that Spring can do for you for free. Yeah. And Allard knows this. So he had already done some of it using the regular Spring support. Here comes Spring Boot. And I reached out to all of my friends in, in the community. Uh, and Allard, of course, was top of that list. And uh, and then also uh, a few others, uh, like uh, Julien Dubois, who would, who would take the stuff I showed him, throw away his existing prototype, and then create something then create J hipster based on spring boot. And that was, mm -hmm. you know, that's just history that became its own framework with its own huge community. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, 
there's just a, I, I just do that. I just wanted to show really people amazing. that yeah. I knew would appreciate it and stuff. And Allard was, of course, uh, you know, he's he's a brilliant human being. So uh, we sat down. I don't know. I don't remember when it, where it was, but we sat down and just started talking about it. And uh, you know, like I it's not like I had to explain for very long. You know, I, I did my normal stock standard like one hour pitch for him and some teammates and. You know, I think it was like the next day or whenever he'd come back and said, look, we did this. And I was like, ah, it's like so much better, you know, like, you know, and then I think we, I think, no, I think that's maybe that's maybe, we, maybe he and I sat down and wrote some code together as well. At one point. I think there I think was some pair true. programming session involved. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That sounds right. Uh, Cause I remember sitting in an office with him mm-hmm. kind of like going, just cause we did the, like the, you know, this 80%, the 20% is always the 80% time. Right. So we, we did, I helped him do the low hanging fruit so that it was mm-hmm. like, basically in the shape of auto config and there were some like small things where it worked fine but if he was willing to make some changes to the core then this could be a million times more yeah. um effective uh, elegant yep. effective yeah, yeah. and uh, so he did that because I, I i was uh i know the cqrs pattern and i know axon a, a fair bit but i, I wasn't confident uh, or qualified or competent enough to propose let alone yeah enact changes to the core of the code base so he did that and uh and then we regrouped and it just came together really really nicely mostly because he's just brilliant and fast and uh you know knows the stuff um so i i think it's been a a huge um contributing factor to the to axon framework itself as well because it obviously makes things a lot easier for developers who just wants to um get this framework and start working on it without having to worry about fiddling with the, the configuration or packaging oh. things or what, what have you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love the black, that the black part yeah. of it. Um, yeah. so <laughs> you are also working on, uh, something more recently. I think, uh, last year you guys started working on, uh, implementing spring native, uh, but we will come back and talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit, um, later another sure. time. Cause that I think deserve its own, uh, session, but going kind of back to uh, the CQRS and those early days and um, your collaboration with Allard throughout uh, the years through Axon Framework as well, what do you think the development of just CQRS community or the usage of the pattern uh, plus domain-driven design has been for the community? Do you think it's moved the direction that uh, you had hoped for it to move since then, or do you think that there's still a lot that developers can do with these patterns that is not being used to its fullest, so to speak. Uh, yes, to both. But also, <laughs> like, it depends. Because, well, I mean, certainly uh, in the era of microservices, in the era of bounded context, separated now, not just by a bounded context, but also by a network, uh, uh, you know, a network barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in that new world, CQRS is more important than ever. And you've seen it proliferate more than ever. Uh, but that said, it's, um, uh, it's not nearly where I think it should be should because be. it's such a useful pattern. And, and I think, uh, when people see it, when they get to, it's one of those things, it's like, it's just like with spring in the very beginning that you have to teach people the patterns mm-hmm. and it's hard. It's slow, yeah, slow work, but it, once people see it, they're like, Oh, okay. I'm not doing it the other way ever again. It just makes so much more sense this way. Do you think it's why it hasn't uh, reached its full potential by this time? 
do you think it's the learning aspect of it, the learning curve, or the mindset? What do you think? Yeah, because yeah, because uh, you know when we talk about microservices, the most loaded word in the English language at this point. Talk about microservices in the last ten years, uh, and cloud and uh, and all this stuff, um, and and I, I, there's been a whole lot of discussion, a whole lot of navel gazing around what the community should embrace as patterns for solving these kinds of problems, and some of that has actually gone sort of for, sort of full circle, and it's gotten back to okay, let's not do microservices, let's go back to the monolith. Yeah. But let's have well-structured monoliths, and mm-hmm. basically, a well-structured monolith is CQRS, right? Right? Like that's also very natural. There, you can, you can't by default. Axon is a well-structured monolith. Yeah. Um, well, we that's uh, that's what the framework Axon. does. Yeah. It just yeah helps it, you. It happens organize. to work really nicely when you. Yeah, exactly. It happens to work nicely when you distribute it with messaging, but by default, it's just local and it works great. Um, so, so I think <laughs> it. it the community was, they had a, an abundance of choice, too many options, too many patterns, too many approaches, everyone uh, and their uh, and their and their mother espousing a, uh, an idea for building the next uh, microservice architecture. And we got all this, man, it's been a decade of just constant talk about discussion. And I've that, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think it's been a valuable conversation. I wouldn't change anything, I guess, but uh, if you're just pity the poor, uh, wayward developer just trying to get something shipped mm-hmm. and they're being inundated with all these different, you know, trust me, this is the best way for it. No, trust me. You know, all these, uh, what, what was that? It even became uh, what was that? What was that term? Thought Lord, the, you know, it's a troll, right? Like it's a yeah. uh, tech equivalent of a, a, an influencer, right? These mm-hmm. ridiculous thought Lords that just pontificate on the state of architecture or whatever. It's just, it's just really hard to know where to go. And, and at some point I think people are just happy to get like, here, I got a REST API up. Please, can I go home now? You know, like, am I done? And and the answer is no. You're not done. It's not quite. It's not going to serve you. But yeah, you should go home. You know, obviously, go home and relax. Yep. And people are just very happy to get anything at this point because it just seems so complicated. Um, but I think it's hard to pierce that. I think it's going to be hard for good patterns, even something like CQRS and Axon in particular. It's going to be hard to pierce the morass. The yeah, you know. But that's true what you mentioned about um, start with a well-structured monolith because that's that's literally what we've been kind of advising others. If, if you want to adopt some of these patterns, just start with one thing that you can manage. Just make sure that, yeah. you know, you're organizing it in, in parts that, you know, that your business logic is sitting on one side, your, your data is separate. Just that way you mm-hmm. can scale and um, reduce if you would um, whenever you yeah. need to. So that way you don't have to worry about everything, all of these microservices and systems all over the place, and you have to integrate yeah. them and orchestrate them and make sure that you know nothing falls apart and yeah, everything all of a sudden explodes. So absolutely, mm-hmm. um, that makes sense. Now, to someone who is interested in using some of these patterns and uh, whether they are a seasoned developer, a, a newbie or what, what have you, what aside from start with with a well structured monolith, what would be some of your other suggestions? What kind of uh, resources can folks kind of get their hands on, or, or or research, or just just go ahead and do it? Maybe I don't know. What what would your recommendation? Be? Oh, I for, know I'm asking a loaded for, question because <laughs> it's. I, don't, I mean, for getting started with what for. Uh, CQRS Axon based projects? For if you want to use them, um, I mean, 
just going to the, the thought process of using something more organized, not putting everything under one monolith and hope for the best. Oh, so I, I, this is, I know this is going to sound, and I'm sure people will, will actually me on this, but the approach that I take is to make as an exercise, I encourage people to take all their code, get rid of the word public. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Uh, and I, I, you know, I call this the, um, the, uh, interfaces and events mm-hmm. approach. And uh, so basically, if you have code and you've got Java code, and you've got types that are public because we're all used to everything being public in Java. And so we have these services that depend on types from different packages uh, and so on. So what breaks if you make everything package private so that it's not visible from another package mm-hmm. and it's not visible from the subclass? Um, and it, most people will find a lot of bodies floating to the top of the water when they do that, their compiler will just go blood red, right? Uh, and the reason is because you've got these tangles. Mm-hmm. You've got all this code being dependent on from other types. Spring doesn't care if your type is public or not, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't. You can you can put an annotation at component on a bean that is just yeah. class foo and it'll be just fine. Uh, so the, then the question is, okay, well, if everything is packaged private, how do I communicate across packages? And the answer is you don't, unless there's an absolutely Need good reason it. to do it. Yeah. yeah. And it should be the exception. And so those things, those data types that you can, you want to share between packages uh, and those interfaces, put that at the root package, mm-hmm. right? The implementations of those interfaces, put those in a particular sub package and make them package private. So mm-hmm. class, you know, uh, whatever, customer, JDBC customer service, it implements customer service, whatever, something like that. Okay, so now you've got data. These are things that can be shared between packages. But even there, you know, um, how do the services get the data, right? How, do, how does each service, how does each thing that manages different bits of data, how do they get the data? And uh, so then you start thinking, okay, well, I, I, need, I need to, when, when something happens over here, I need this other thing to be able to find out, but nothing, nothing in my interface is public. So how does this other thing find out? Easy. The other thing listens for events, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So when something happens over here, post an event. Who who gets the event? All the other services. They consume the event, which is that data, that command types, right. those uh, those event types in the core, right? Mm-hmm. And they can re re reconfigure their own state mm-hmm. uh, based on that event. Right. Okay. So now, so now you've got only public data types or events, mm-hmm. right? Actually, when you start thinking about it, it's no longer data types, it's just events you're dealing just with. Yep. Um, and you've got an occasional interface for core stuff at the very, very root of the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. But even that, you want to, if you can not do that, then great, it's even better. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you communicate changes with events through the, by publishing these event types, mm-hmm. which are public, you know, public types. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about if I want to ask questions? If I want to review the data, that's where you get those interfaces. Yeah, that's a query. I mean, now I've got one interface at the root called, you know, to ask. I can read. I can ask questions, and uh, and I need that. I, I I can get a pointer to that in my code anywhere and ask those questions. Who's implementing that and how? We don't care. It's another being somewhere deep in the package hierarchy that isn't public. Mm-hmm. And basically, what I just if you go through that thought process, you you kind of ended up at a hackneyed, half implemented. A uh, bug-ridden version of CQRS. CQRS, exactly. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, and and so, but it all starts with just 
make everything package private. What breaks? Why does it break? Mm-hmm. And you find out, okay, I have too many things across different packages that are talking to each other. How do I remove that? Great. Yeah. Put them all in the same pack. Put so in my code, all of, you know, I do a layer, I design by function, right? As opposed to, sorry, design by a function as opposed to role, right? So mm-hmm. I'll put like um, customer controller, customer aggregate, customer repository, whatever, all in the same package called customers, mm-hmm. right? It's, I don't have foo.controllers. And then food at services dot and yeah. food at agri- that's terrible. Don't do that. It's a, it's an anti-pattern brought, you know, it's a poison that came from the Ruby and Rails community. Mm-hmm. And we just seem, we can't, we can't seem to shake it. And I just, just undo that, un, un, unscrew that up and uh, you'll, you'll, your code will naturally morph into right. CQRS. Exactly. Makes sense. Or it will eventually, but it'll take a long time. So I just, I suggest you just study at Axon and just <laughs> skip to the win. Just go to the Axon documentation and it will make your life. Easier. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Start there. Just, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But, but, uh, it's, an, it's an interesting exercise. Really, I hope people will try it. Just get rid of the word public. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's a really, really interesting idea and um, kind of makes me want to go try it now. <laughs> that's, that's, I'd never thought about it that way, but absolutely right. Makes sense. Um, fantastic, Josh. I, I think we talked about a lot of um, really good topics and, um, of course, more generalized than uh, some specific things. And um, I do hope to come back and uh, talk more about Spring Native another time, because uh, that's definitely something oh, yeah. that I'm really interested about finding more about. Uh, and I'm sure there are other people who want to learn more about it as well. So, um, but the, yes. The support for, so Spring Native, as you know, was a support for building GraalVM native images in Spring Boot 2.x. In mm-hmm. 3.0, we have the Spring Boot 3 AOT engine, uh, which is what we recommend people use instead of Spring Native. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I know gotcha. you know the difference. Just I want people to know. Yeah, absolutely. Don't use yeah. Native. Don't spring. <laughs> no, 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 definitely. You but native images with spring. It's just called a different thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so yes, we definitely have a conversation about it later. Uh, but uh, yeah, for now, thank you so much for joining me. I know you're super busy, and uh, you're. I'm literally catching you in between travels, so I appreciate you uh, making the time and talking to me today. My pleasure, my friend. I appreciate you having me. Of course. Until next time. Safe travels. I hope you liked my talk with Josh. Please join me next time for other amazing conversations with wonderful guests. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.